your Bibles, please meet me in 1 John chapter 5. It's verses 6 through 13. This morning we'll, we'll attack 6 through 13. 1 John chapter 5, verses 6 through 13. And can you please stand to your feet in reverence to God's holy word? All right, all right. So it reads, This is he who came by water and blood, Jesus Christ, not by the water only, but by the water and the blood. And the Spirit is the one who testifies, because the Spirit is the truth. For there are three that testify, the Spirit and the water and the blood. And these three agree. If we receive the testimony of men, the testimony of God is greater. For this is the testimony of God that he has borne concerning his Son. Whoever believes in the Son of God has the testimony in himself. Whoever believes not, whoever does not believe God has made him a liar because he has not believed in the testimony that God has borne concerning his Son. And this is a testimony that God gave us eternal life. And this life in his son. Whoever has the son has life. Whoever does not have the son of God does not have life. I write these things to tell you who believe in the name of the son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life. Amen. You may have your seat. Good morning. And happy Mother's Day. This is terrible. Good. Let's try that. Good morning. All right. And happy Mother's Day. Not to me. I'm not a mother. So whoever said it to you, I had no idea. That threw me off a little. I, I'm not a mom. I'm a dad, clearly. Now, how do you recover from that? Um, I'm not even going to address what, George, uh, what uh, Brother Jay said, um, and Jackson's not here to defend himself, so I'll just show up on the court on uh, Sunday and see what happens. Let, let, let my actions do the talking. So let's jump into God's Word this morning. We're kind of coming to the tail end of this letter in 1 John. And if you've been with us, the whole book is really about two things primarily, to love God and to love other people. And now John is going to go to, if you're with us at the beginning, uh, the, the key text in all of this letter is found in this, uh, in this passage. The key text to the letter is 1 John chapter 5, verse 13. This is what John himself says. I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life. So here's my goal this morning for us as we come today, is that you would leave here with knowing one thing. Do you have eternal life this morning? Because that, that's all that matters. It is not what do you have today, but do you have eternal life with Christ Jesus in heaven for all of eternity? If you remember back several months ago, we were in 1 John chapter 2, and in 1 John chapter 2, we talked about being in the courtroom. And the courtroom was that Christ came for our defense. We're going to be back in the courtroom today, and you see that in the text. He says there's 
three witnesses. These three witnesses are going to give an account to what it means for us to have eternal life. So you've got to ask the question, I've got to ask the question this morning, is who do we say and who do we believe that Jesus is? These three witnesses are going to testify to who Jesus is and what Jesus has done for you. My hope is that you wouldn't just be a participant in the courtroom. Anyone ever been to a courtroom before? And not, not on trial. We went in high school. We had to go in high school. I was in some law class, and we had to go to downtown Houston, which that's a bad idea to take a bunch of high school kids, especially to that courtroom. The things that we heard that day, I was like, this is not okay. And I was 17 years old. I thought, man, this is a bad idea. Uh, but I loved it. I'm just going to be honest. But I remember sitting in the courtroom, I remember hearing testimonies about people that were on trial. And you'd have both sides, people testifying about the character of this man or the lack of character of this man. And these three are going to give testimony to the character, the nature, and the purpose of the man Jesus. Who is Jesus? And that's what John says in the text. But now the question is for us. It's the same question that Jesus posed to his disciples in Matthew 16. Remember what the question that he posed to them. I'll read the text. It says, now Jesus came into, into Caesarea Philippi and asked his disciples, who do people say that the Son of Man is? The disciples replied, some said you're John the Baptist, others say that you're Elijah, others say that you're Jeremiah. Or one of the prophets. And then Jesus, turning to them, said to them, But who do you say that I am? Who do you say that I am? And Simon Peter replied, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Would that be your testimony this morning? Or would you simply say, and one writer, C.S. Lewis, says it this way, when he says this about people, the way that you answer that question hinges all of your eternity, but it also hinges on what you think about God. And he says, if you simply just say he was a, a prophet, or he was simply a good man, or he's simply a good teacher, then Jesus was a lunatic. Because Jesus came and he made proclamations about who he was. Jesus himself said, I was the son of God. And so if all those things are not true, he's a crazy man that ought to be chained up forever. But he came and gave testimony about who he was. We have testimony today in the text in three places. So let's look at those three places this morning. Remember, this is John, who was the beloved disciples, who had walked with Jesus for three years. He had seen and heard Jesus do miraculous things. Turn with me just two pages over in your Bible to 1 John chapter 1. Remember, this is how we started. This is what John says. John says, this is my testimony. John says that from, which is, from the beginning, which we have heard or I have heard, which we have seen with our eyes or I have seen with my eyes or I have looked upon and have touched with our hands concerning the word of life. Life was made manifested, and we saw it, or I saw it, or I saw him, and testify to it and proclaim to you 
the eternal life, which was with the Father and was made manifest with us. That which we have seen and we have heard, we proclaim also to you so that you too may have fellowship with us. And indeed, our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. And I'm writing all these things that so our joy may be complete. And so John says he's seen it. He's heard about it. He's touched it. He watched it. But now John turns our attention to something greater than himself. He says that in verse 9, if we have received this testimony of men, if you've received it from us, there's a testimony even greater than ours. That's what he says in the text. It's God's testimony. Now let's go up to verse 6. These are the three witnesses to who Jesus is. He says it this way. This is he who came by the blood, by the water and the blood, Jesus Christ. Not by the water alone, but by the water and the blood. And the Spirit is the one who testifies because the Spirit is truth. For there are three that testify. The Spirit, the water, and the blood. These three are all in agreement. If we receive the testimony of men and the testament, the testimony of God is greater. For this is the testimony of God that he has borne concerning his son. So we see three things. The three witnesses in the courtroom are this. This is one, some of the theologians say this is the most difficult passage in all of God's word. As some of the greatest theologians have debated and can, been uh, in great debate about this. And there's many different uh, approaches to the text. The approach that I'll take this morning is this, about the water, the blood, and the Spirit is this. He says the first witness to who Jesus is is the water. Now what is he talking about? He's not talking about the water that we drink. He, he's not talking uh, uh, about the water that flowed from his side at the end of his death. The water that John is talking about, we see this throughout uh, the, the word, we know this in context of this passage because of who John was talking to. Who John was talking to was the, the people, the Gnostics. The Gnostics believed this about Jesus. That, that Jesus was not fully the Son of God until His baptism. And He was only the Son of God all the way to the completion of the cross. Like, he was not the Son of God before the baptism, and He was not the Son of God after the baptism. He was only the Son of God in the middle. Now that creates a huge problem. And so that is what John is addressing. And so he says He came by water and blood, but not by the water only, but by the water and the blood. So this is what John is talking about. He is saying this in the text. What does it mean for the water? He is simply stating this. No, no. It, it didn't start with his baptism alone. Like he, he came before the baptism. He was fully God when he was with God in heaven before the creation of the world. And then he says his death, his, his blood is referring to his death. He's saying he was even the Son of God after his death. Like everything hinges on him being the Son of God before, during, and after. If all that Jesus was was simply the Son of God in the middle of his ministry, 
then the rest of us are, are doomed. And that's what he's going to talk about in the text. And so do you and do I believe this morning that he was the Son of God? Remember, we talked about that last week. We, we talked about our belief and being overcomers hinges on who Jesus is. So again, I'd ask this question, who do you say that Jesus is? Do you say he is truly the Son of God? Do you truly believe that he is the Messiah this morning? He's saying because the water believes that, the blood testifies of that, and the Spirit is the one that oversees all, that the Spirit is the one who testifies because the Spirit is the truth. That is what we've seen throughout this study. We've seen throughout God's Word that the Word of God was made flesh, but the Word of God is Jesus Himself. And the Word of God is through the Spirit. And so for us this morning, do we believe the way that the Holy Spirit testifies who Jesus is? What is your testimony this morning? Because now we're going to move into the crux of the passage. Because it's how we respond to the testimony of the water, the testimony of the Spirit, and the testimony of the blood. Because then he says in the rest of the text, verse 10, he says, if, this, if you have received the testimony of men, the testimony is greater. For this is the testimony of God that he bore in concerning his Son. So God the Father is in testimony or speaking the truth about who Jesus is. He goes on to say it this way. Whoever believes in the Son of God has the testimony in himself. And whoever does not believe God has made God out to be a liar because he is not in belief of the testimony that God has borne concerning his Son. And this is the testimony that God gave us eternal life and this life is in his Son. Whoever has the Son has life. Whoever does not have the Son of God does not have life. So the first thing you have to ask yourself this morning, have you received this testimony? Have you received it this morning? Are you been born again this morning? My great fear is that many of us have heard the testimony. We haven't received the testimony. The word receive that text means to grab hold of and to never let go. You see, we can hear about a testimony, but that doesn't believe we have to believe in the testimony that we hear. In order to actually hear and believe it, you must hold it for your own. My great fear for us is so many of us have heard the testimony, but we haven't grabbed hold of the testimony. It's not yours. It's someone else's. It's your parents. It's your grandparents. It's the churches. But you don't have possession of it today. He says in the text, if you don't have possession of it, then you don't have eternal life. That ought to scare us this morning. So do you, do I, do we hold this testimony? And what is the testimony? It is concerning the word of life, but who is the testimony? What is it that John is talking about? Have you received it for yourself? The testimony is who Jesus is. And where Jesus says it comes from. And what Jesus is going to say is this is the testimony. All of God's word testifies of who Jesus is. 
from Genesis 1 all the way to Revelation. This is the testimony of God who Jesus is. Every word, every I, every T, every dot, everything testifies to who Jesus is. So if you don't believe fully in this, then you don't believe fully in who Jesus is. That's what he's been talking to us about. If you remember anything about the letter, he, he says over and over, if you love God, then you'll love his commandments. You'll know his word. You'll love his word. But my great fear is so many of us love parts of God's word, but not the full of God's word. Which means I can only love parts of Jesus. I can't love him fully. Remember what Jesus said to the men walking to Emmaus that day after Jesus' death and resurrection, these, these two men that were very, you can turn over to, to Luke chapter 24. These are these two men that are leaving the greatest scene in all of history, the resurrection. They, they were discouraged. Because what they thought to be true about who Jesus is didn't come to fruition the way they were hoping. Remember, they thought that Jesus would come and Jesus would bring freedom to them and set them free in ways that they had put their trust and hope. They had heard a testimony and made that testimony their own, but it wasn't the testimony of God. How many of us have done that with Jesus? We distort who God is to fit who we want Him to fit for ourselves. And we get discouraged when things don't go our way. That's what's going on in the life of these two men. I won't read all the passage. I'll read most of it. It says, that very day, two of them were going out from the village of Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem, seven miles away from the resurrection. And they were talking with one another about all the things that they had, that had happened. While they were talking and discussing together, Jesus himself drew near and went with them. But their eyes were kept from recognizing him. And he said to them, what is this conversation that you're holding with each other as you walk? And they stood still looking sad. And then one of them, Cleopas, answered him, Are you the only visitor in Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened there in these days? And Jesus said to them, What things? And they said to him, Concerning Jesus of Nazareth, a man who was the prophet mighty indeed, and word before God and all the people, and how our chief priests and the rulers delivered him to be condemned to death and crucify him. But we, check this, this is the testimony they were holding to. But we had hoped that he was the one to redeem Israel. And in their minds and their thought process, he had not come to do what he, they had thought he was going to do, the way that they thought he was going to do it. We had hoped that he'd be the one to redeem us, Yes, besides all this, it is now the third day since these things happened. Moreover, some of the women of our company amazed us. They were at the tomb early in the morning. When they did not find his, find his body, they came back saying that they had seen a vision of angels who said that he was alive. Some of those who were with us went to the tomb and they found it just as the woman had said. But but him they did not see. And he said to them, catch what he said. This is the testimony that they're holding on to. 
the testimony, their belief that Jesus was going to do things the way they wanted him to do things and set them free the way they wanted him to set them free. And yet Jesus didn't accomplish what they wanted them to do the way they wanted to do it. How many of us in the room this morning can say that is true of our own hearts? God is not performing the way we want him to perform. We're holding this testimony that's not the true testimony. It's not really what God says about us. And Jesus, I think we can miss this in the text the way he says it. I think he says it with great compassion in his eyes. Oh, foolish ones. And slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Was it not necessary that Christ should suffer these things to enter into his glory? And then he says this, and beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them all the scriptures, the things concerning who? Himself. You see, you've got to know this to know Jesus. Because all of scripture, Jesus himself said, all the prophets, all of the law, that's what he's saying when he says Moses, he's talking about the law. Moses was uh, equal to the law because Moses is the one that the law was given to. So he's saying all the law testifies about who? Himself. He says all the prophets, all the foretelling what's going to happen is about me. And then he says he, all of the scriptures point to him. And I just wondered this morning as I was studying for us is this. Do we believe in the scriptures, what they say about Jesus. Because if you don't, you cannot have eternal life. So many people have made God's word say what it does not say. And then they think, they're fooling themselves to think that they have eternal life. You see, eternal life hinges on what you and I Believe the testimony about what Jesus says about himself. That includes the law. That includes the command. What does John tell us earlier in the letter? If you do not love God's commandments, you do not love God. Which means if you do not obey God's commandments, you do not love God. Which means you don't really believe in who Jesus said he was because who Jesus said he was is based on the law. So are we following that to be true? Now here's the great gift of this testimony. We see it in verses, turn back to 1 John. We see this is the testimony. Jesus testifies about himself being the Son of God, and in his testimony, he says, this is what is true about me, and God and the Holy Spirit testify this is true about Jesus. Whoever believes that in the Son of God, he has the testimony in him. Whoever does not believe God, he's made God out to be a liar because he does not believe in the testimony that God has borne concerning his Son. And this is the testimony. Highlight that in your Bible. What is the testimony that God is talking about, that the Spirit is talking about, that the water is confirming and that the blood is confirming? The testimony is this, 
that God gave us eternal life. And this life is in His Son. The testimony is that you have eternal life in Christ Jesus. Now, this is the beauty of this text. Look at what John says about eternal life. Look at where it comes from. He says this. And this is the testimony. Highlight these two wor three words in your Bible. God gave us. Your eternal life has nothing to do about you. It is a free gift from God. All that God is saying is, I've got this gift, and I want to give it to you. All that you have to do is what? Receive it. So God is holding this gift, his testimony, out for you as a free gift, and he says, you just got to receive it. Now, in that gift, is you've got to believe this. So many of us look at the free gift that God has given us and we don't want to receive it because we don't really want to believe what it says about Him, which, which means what it really says about us. So it's a free gift from God. Remember what Paul says in Romans chapter 6 and Romans chapter 5. He says this is what you really deserve. This ought to be the gift. And the gift ought to be what? For the wages of sin is death. That ought to be the gift. Because that's true in God's word. The gift that we ought to get is God's wrath. That's what we ought to receive. Paul goes on to say this. But there's something more. But what? The free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus. He goes on to say this way before he says that in chapter five, 6, he says this in chapter 5. But the free gift is not like trespasses. For if many die through one man's trespass, much more have the grace of God and the free gift by the grace of one man, Jesus, abound for many. And the free gift is not like the result of that one man's sin. For the judgment following one trespass brought condemnation, but the free gift following many trespasses brought what? Justification. For if because one man trespasses, death reigns through that one man, how much more will those who receive the abundance of the grace and the free gift of righteousness reigning in the life through one man who? Jesus. Therefore, the one who trespasses leads to condemnation for all men. So one act of one righteous man leads to what? The justification and the life of all men. That is the free gift this morning. But it does not come in you. It comes through Jesus Christ. You cannot go get yourself righteous enough to even receive the free gift. There is nothing that you or I have ever done or will ever do. We don't deserve it. But that's why it's a gift. We don't deserve gifts. 
Anyone ever received a gift because they ought to deserve it? It doesn't feel like a gift. Like, oh, you're kind of supposed to do this. Like this morning. I kept telling Cedar, I'm glad he's not in the room. I kept telling Cedar over and over and over and over again, man, hey, man, it's Mother's Day. Go tell your mom happy Mother's Day. And he was like, I will when I want. I was like, oh, my goodness gracious. So I just imagine Jenny hearing that in the other room. And imagine, this is just my mind's eye, that when he finally, it, has he told you? Oh, finally did. I'm sure she was like, okay, that's because your dad told you to. Because it wasn't coming in him. Now I remember watching and seeing when Tennyson brought the cards, like that it was up to Tennyson to bring it to Jenny. The joy that came over Jenny. Because it was what? A free gift from Tennyson to Jenny. There, there was nothing in, in us that, that God's like, man, i got to get those people a gift because they're doing it right. We ought to deserve condemnation. We ought to deserve God's wrath. But in God's graciousness, kindness, and His love for us, He gave us His free gift, His Son, and that's who He testifies about. He goes on to say it this way. Paul says this about the free gift of God. In Ephesians chapter 2, for grace you have been saved. Through faith. But look what it says about the faith. And this is not of your own doing. The grace that you've given, the faith that you've been given is not your own. It is what? A gift of God. Your grace and your faith is a gift of God. Not as a result of works. How come? So that no man should boast. Even the grace and faith that you have in receiving Jesus is a free gift from God to you and I. Now what does this gift do for us? What is the free gift of God through our faith in Christ Jesus? He goes on to say it this way. And this is the testimony that God has given us. This gift is what? Eternal life. What a gift. I don't think there's any greater gift than that that any man or woman could ever receive. Greater than your marriage, greater than your children. The gift that God has given us freely through His Son is one thing, eternal life. Jesus says it Himself in John 11. Jesus said this, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in Me, though he dies, yet he what? Shall live. And everyone who lives and believes in Me shall what? Never die. And then He asks the question, end of that passage, do you believe this? Do you believe that the free gift of God is your eternal life through the resurrection and the life of Jesus so that though you may die, you will always live? That is a free gift for you and I. And do you, like he says at the end, he goes on to say it this way, whoever has the Son has life. Whoever does not have the Son of God does not have life. That's pretty black and white. You have the Son, you have eternal life. You don't have the Son, you don't have eternal life. 
And then he says this in closing, and I'll say this in closing. I'm writing these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God that you may what? Circle that word in your, your Bible. You may know without a shadow of a doubt that you have eternal life. You see, as John comes to the end of this letter, he's talking about assurance. It is so sad to me that there are denominations and religions that, that do not have the assurance of salvation. Gosh, the, the, the fear that people must have under the weight of that. To not know every morning when you wake up if you have the assurance of your salvation. What, how much work that would have to cause you to go do or not to do for that level of assurance. But for us as believers in Jesus Christ, not in our own work, but on his work, what an amazing gift that is. We can have freedom in that assurance. My question to you, my question to me, my question to us as a church, do we have confidence in ourselves? Or do we have confidence in Jesus and what he has done for us? If you have confidence in yourself that you ought to be saved, then you will live with great terror. But if you live with confidence in the Son of God, the one that is testified to about by God the Father, God the Holy Spirit, the water and the blood, then you will have all assurance to know that you have eternal life. My hope and prayer is this our church, that we would have the confidence to know that we have eternal life. But where does that knowing have to be placed? Not in yourselves, but in the testimony of who Jesus is. Is Jesus for you the Son of God, the Messiah, the Savior of the world? That is the free gift of God, and in that gift of Jesus, you have eternal life. Do you believe that this morning? Let me pray for us.